0: I mean, how's everybody doing? It's not too hot in here, right? Are you all okay? Um, we're working on some plans to make sure that we have enough power to operate properly. The air cons are a bit of a challenge, I've got to tell you. Uh, the, the power that one air con draws is, is crazy. So luckily we've got a few cold months ahead of us. And let's just pray that uh, we can fix our power issues in this country. Wouldn't it be amazing? Anyway, so um, for those of you who may be just joining us this week, weren't with us last week, we started a little mini-series called Stories from Israel. My wife and I had the absolute privilege to spend uh, 10 days in Israel a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was mind-blowing. Um, I said this last week, I think being in places that you've read about for years and years, it just made it come alive in a whole new way. It's like HD. TV, in a sense. It, it, I have a visual now when I read about a place, but also what, for, what it's done for me is it's made things tie in together, geographically and location-wise. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And when you've stood at the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did a lot of his ministry, you, you understand how things all would have fit together in time frames, it's just fascinating. And, and I do wanna encourage you, we haven't finalized the dates yet, However there's been a whole uh, bunch of people that are saying oh, we really want to go we might actually have to uh, plan two trips um there's two potential opportunities one uh, in November and then one early next year kind of in uh, maybe April maybe try and get in the school holidays so it gives uh, enough time for people to really uh save and to plan um obviously it is costly and if you can't come uh, soon just Dream about it and trust God with it. Maybe you don't have the resources right now, but you can just trust God. I heard a powerful story uh, quite recently. Someone was telling me, a friend was saying there was this, uh, it was actually a friend of mine, Darren, who works at uh, Toyota. His mom wanted to go to Israel and she put down some money to go, but couldn't come up with the rest. And what she decided to do closer to the time, she said, I can't come up with the rest, spoke to the, the team and just said, look, I want to so into someone else's trip, half of their funds. She got a call two days later to say, someone has funded the other half of your trip <laughs> and she was able to go. So, I mean, you just never know. So, um, But I really believe every Christian should try and get to Israel at least once in their life. Honestly, it will make it come alive in a whole new way. And so what we're trying to do with this little uh, stories uh, from Israel is to make the Bible come alive for you and share a couple of stories. So last week I looked at uh, the town of Magdala, where Mary was from, And it's fascinating uh, for me to find out a lot of the history around that and how God used her to resource and to fund a lot of the ministry of Jesus. She was mentioned more than any other person, even above some of the disciples in the Bible. And I actually, this past week, for this message, found her name mentioned somewhere else, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. Um, And then just uh, for a couple weeks ahead, so next week we're going to do one more of the stories from Israel, and you might even hear Jin share a few thoughts. Anyone wanna hear Jin share a few thoughts around Israel? (laughs) Okay, Uh, She's not preaching, but she says she would like to share a few things. Uh, So that's next week. Then the week after that is something quite important in our area. It's comrades. We cannot have church, unfortunately, on Sunday morning. So this is specifically for you guys. So I'm putting this announcement here. Um, especially for those that are watching the stream and decide to skip the worship and only watch the message. Um, we are not having a Sunday morning service that Sunday. We can't because most people can't get here. We will just have the people from AB Road and Hagarth Road. Uh, it will be a small service. So. We're going to have a Sunday night service at 6 p.m. We will stream that service live. We don't normally stream our evening service. So for those of you who come in the morning and want to um, uh, experience the evening service, we'll stream it live at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. It'll be a shorter service. So we'd love for you to also come in the evening because we're going to have a bit of a worship service. I'm going to share a few thoughts around worship. And then after the service, there's a whole bunch of people being baptized. So that's gonna be quite fun, and we'll do that outside afterwards, after the evening service. So six to seven, and then baptisms after that. Is that okay? Cool, so let's get into the message for today. Today I wanna talk about healings, and I'm gonna look at two specific moments that we experience there Um, which were specific stories around healing. I don't know if you know this, but 25% of the gospels, so that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 25% of those four books, so basically a whole book is on the healings of Jesus. Those are just the ones that are documented. But many times we see that he healed everyone in the town that he went to. He didn't always heal everybody, but there are so many healings that he did that we don't read about, and only a few are documented. But of the Gospels, 25% are on the healings of Jesus. And I wanna look at two specific healings, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this. Um, One in Jerusalem, and then one in Capernaum, and I'll explain those two places to you in uh, in a moment. But the first healing that I wanna look at is quite special to me, and I'll tell you why. The first time I had to do a reading in church I don't know if you guys remember this. It, we were in All Souls Anglican Church in Mclaren, and they used to rotate people to stand up and do a reading. So today's reading is from, and I'll never forget it. I can't even remember how old I was at the time. Probably about nine, ten, maybe like Jonah's age. And I vividly and clearly remember. The reading because I rehearsed it so many times. I was so nervous to stand up in front of the whole church and do the reading. Also, my parents made sure that I understood and read, uh, read clearly. And this uh, particular reading is very special to me. So it's from John chapter 5, verse 1 through to 9. What's interesting is verse 4 is excluded because there are some manuscripts that uh, show verse four, which just gives some context to the particular healing place, which they give a little later. So verse four, you'll see, um, is not actually there um, in the Bible. So because it's in some manuscripts and in others not. But they have it there as a footnote or an added note. But this is the reading that I did 35 years ago or so. Crazy. It says, yes. Who was that? Was that Ed? Always Ed. You're not the youth pastor anymore, so you can't do that anymore. Okay, I'm joking. It's always the youth pastor. It's like the, you know, just reminding us that we're old. Anyway. Anyway. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool. As I'm saying this, I remember it from 35 years ago, speaking it in this Anglican church in Amplati. There is a Sheep Gate a pool, even that was confusing to me back then, um, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, or Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. I remember asking my parents at the time, what is that? And they were saying it's like these pillars and arches. Five covered colonies. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid. I didn't know what that word meant 35 years ago, but it's a paralyzed man, an invalid for 38 years. I remember thinking that was such a big number, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Interesting question, because I think So often, we can wallow in our faults, our disabilities, and we actually have to want to get well. You have to want to get out of the situation. And Jesus, without making him feel bad, he just says, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. It's crazy how, and, and I do feel for this guy, paralyzed for 38 years, but it's crazy how we can also have all the excuses in the world. He asked him if he wanted to get well. He could have just said, yes, heal me now. But he said, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool where the water is stirred. There was this pool in verse 4, which I said is excluded. It was kind of like a cleansing pool for people. They believe it was miraculous that uh, when the, the, the waters bubbled out of the spring, people would go in there and they would be made clean being unclean and clean were massive deals in those days. Um, and he was saying, when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone always goes down ahead of me, because he was a bit slow, he couldn't get there. Then Jesus said to him, like almost, I can imagine Jesus just kind of interrupting him, but just hang on a second. I asked if you wanted to get well. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And I, I don't know how, if it was like, how this guy would have processed this, but he, he, he saw and recognized authority, and it says at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. I'm not going to continue from there, but remember last week I told you how significant the Sabbath was. You don't do anything in Israel on a Sabbath, okay? And then they started to like have a go at Jesus. How can you heal on a Sabbath? This is ridiculous. You shouldn't be working. And Jesus was saying it's, it's, uh, it's the sick that need a doctor, basically. And this guy 38 years. Can you just picture this situation here? He's lying there. Do you want to get well? He comes up with some excuse. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And this guy stands up and walks. I mean, powerful, powerful. Now, so I remember this from all those years back. And then I had the opportunity to go and see this actual pool, which they uncovered. I think it was 1950 or 60, somewhere around there. They discovered the pool of Bethesda. They hadn't for many, many years, and what I love about Israel is the Bible continues to prove itself. There's so much they haven't uncovered yet, but as they continue with excavations, and uh, the uh, the guys come in, and they dig, and they find things that confirm the Bible, and what was crazy is part of our tour, we uh, wanted to go to the pool of Bethesda, and when we got there, it was closed. It was lunchtime, and I was so upset because I was like, I wanted to go in, because there's a church that they built there, and you've got to go through this gate. I'm gonna show you some pics in a moment. But you've got to go through this gate, and then you can actually see the remains of the Pool of Bethesda. And he said, I'm so sorry, guys, I didn't realize it would be closed, but we can't do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. God had me, though. Because we ended up, it was was actually quite a, and I think about it now, it was amazing, because we were on a different flight back. The rest of the team were on a flight at 5 p.m., or no, 6 p.m. at night. We managed to get on a later flight, well it was just a better deal for us, that left at like 11 at night, and because of that, we were the only couple on that flight. The rest of the team went earlier. Because of that, there were two things that we were able to do. One was meet this incredible pastor who is lives in Jerusalem. Do you know there's only they reckon about 30,000 Christians in Israel? And there's amazing ministries that are operating there. We got to meet this pastor, which I'll tell you, that's a story for another day. But one of the other things we're able to do is go back to the pool of Bethesda. And I was able to go see it. And I wanted to show you, um, which is just crazy. So the first thing you're gonna see is, in the Bible it says, near the sheep gate there is a pool. What's crazy is this is this is actually looking out towards the Mount of Olives out of the city, but this is called the Lion's Gate. It has a few different names. But this is what they believe the sheep gate is. It was close to the the temple where the, the sheep would come in for the sacrifices. So you this is it. Near the sheep gate, there is a pool. And literally a few hundred meters up that road, you come through and you get Bethesda, where they've built this chapel. Okay? You go through. And then you see this, which they uncovered about, I think, 50 years ago. Now, what's crazy is you can actually see the remains of the five covered colonnades. And um, you can see all the layers of the city on the left, because what they did is when cities were destroyed, they would continue to build. So some of the ancient roads and the ancient cities are underneath layers. So they've uncovered this, which is where the Pool of Bethesda was. And there's a whole lot of interlinking pools. Right near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool and I think I've got a little video because I, I took, maybe just put the sound on as well. One, two, three, four, five. They've built new ones. So there's seven now. There's the steps. Coming down to the pool. There's the different layers of this old city. So we are on a little the fence and you can see the wall. So they excavated this in the like late so. You see how it makes the Bible come alive? Being there, this story that I read 35 years ago came to life in a whole new way. There is the pool. There's the five colonnades. I'm like, the Bible is true. In case you didn't believe that already. But it's just incredible. And being there, just I was just picturing this guy that had been sick for 38 years. I don't know where it would have happened. Maybe on the steps. I don't know why Jesus came there. Obviously, maybe to come and heal people. But this story that we've just read happened there at that place. Jesus was standing there 2,000 years ago. And this story is recorded for us today. Isn't it amazing? I don't know, but it, like, it inspires me. Um, The fact that it's factual, it's real, but also the power that Jesus carried. The other story that I want to look at, I'm only looking at two, so that's the Pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem, is um, a story from Capernaum. Now, I want to, first of all, tell you about Capernaum. This is where Jesus, they believed, uh, lived while he did most of his ministry. Remember I was telling you last week that a lot of the the ministry of Jesus happened in a a small stretch on the, the northwestern corner of the Sea of Galilee which is actually much smaller than I thought. It's only 21 kilometers long, by about 13 kilometers wide. And he grew up in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, but then moved across to Capernaum. And this is where he lived. This is where they believed. And there's a couple of pics I'm going to show you from, they actually call it Capernaum, the town of Jesus. And we got to go there. Again, it's so special. This is standing in one of the old synagogues. I mean, I was just like in awe, standing, looking at, this is some remains from the old town. I mean, th- those were homes. I took a photo of this step. You can see how the stone has been worn. I mean, these are thousands of years old, these steps and these stones. Just so amazing. This, they believe, is uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house, which they've actually built on top of, but they've re- uh, kind of uh, preserved the, the remains here of, of the, the brickwork. Um, this is a little video. Uh, Homes, it's the, village there. the sea, of Galilee there. sea of Galilee in the distance. Oh, the aircons have come back on. I can feel it. But, so, this is, um, I think that's it from Capernaum. Is that right? I think is that it? And, um, but I want to touch on a very powerful story that happened here in Capernaum. There were many. But l- listen to this. I wanna give you some context first to this particular place. In Isaiah 9, so this is thousands of years before Jesus, we, we, we have a prophecy. Now remember, when Jesus the Messiah came to this earth, he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. There were over 300, and he fulfilled every single one. The Jewish people, unfortunately, still today, believe that the Messiah hasn't come. So I don't know what they're waiting for, because Jesus fulfilled every single one. And here is another one. So this is thousands of years prior. It says this, Nevertheless, there will be more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. In the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Last week, I was telling you about the road called the way of the sea. It was a, a, a route that stretched right from the south all the way through up into the northern parts and into Europe. And they had these strategic towns along the way. Capernaum was very significant. It was actually a border town. A lot of tax collectors there, a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of stories that happened in Capernaum. But it was, it was, quite a, it was like a port. It was a, it was a significant town on the way of the sea in Galilee. And thousands of years prior, they say that this area will be honored. And here's the fulfillment of the prophecy. And uh, it was quite powerful just sitting there, being there, and our guide, Baruch, um, incredible guy, uh, there's a picture of him telling us a story. And some of you just seeing that might understand what happened there. But I'm gonna tell you now in a moment. But it says this. So he's telling us a story, and I learned so much. In Malachi 4, 2, prior to Jesus, again, another prophecy that was yet to be fulfilled says this. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now some of you are still confused. You're like, please tell me what that means. I'm going to tell you. Because we sung about it, and I'm speaking about it now. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out of a pasture. There's a few songs, actually, with that line, healing in his wings. He will, today, we sang, he reigns with healing in his wings. Now, I want to explain to you. And yesterday, I did a little study around this word, actually, in Greek. Wings in Greek is a word called a karnath, okay? Which means edge of a garment or linen or the edge of a linen, specifically four corners. Have you ever put your duvet in a, in, into your duvet cover? You've got to grab the, the, the four corners. This is what this word means. It's the edge, it's the corners, the, the, the edge pieces of a garment, Okay. Now, we're going to look at the second healing, which is the story, it's in the the chapter of of the story of the bleeding woman, okay? But now in the same chapter, how's this? So I started reading this, literally this first part yesterday. In Luke 8, it says this, and it ties into last week. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. And also some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene. I should have given you that last week, but I only saw this uh, this past week. From whom seven demons had come out. Remember that whole story from last week. If you missed last week, please go and have a listen to it. It's on our YouTube channel. Joanna, the wife of Chuza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Again, we see this. They were supporting the ministry and the work of Jesus out of their own needs. The women were funding the work of Jesus. And we're sitting here today because of the resources of women. Men? Should we give a hand for the woman in the the house here today? What do you think? I don't know why part of our culture... And it's still sometimes there where men feel threatened by a woman being more significant or having more money. I don't know why. I've always said to Jen, if you could make more money than me, it would be, be wonderful. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> I've got no problem with this. But now, so that's the first part. In this same chapter, a little later, so Jesus goes and does some ministry on the other side of the lake, which is the Sea of Galilee. And then in verse 40, and this is the second miracle I want to get to, with context of wings, Says this now when Jesus returned, a crowd, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. There was a lot of conversation and chatter around this guy, Jesus, right now. He was becoming a big deal. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his, his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and the woman. Was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Unclean. An outcast. It was a big deal in those days. She was an unclean woman. You you couldn't even touch her, she couldn't touch you. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, the wing, and immediately her bleeding stopped. I get goosebumps thinking about it. This is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, that he will rise with healing in his wings. And I don't know if you've watched The Chosen episode five, I think it's in season three. Uh, I, I, I screenshot a pic of it, uh, uh, and this is, from. it's pretty dull, I can see. This is this woman who, who pushes through the crowd potentially being trampled on. She was unclean. She knew she had to just get to Jesus. I don't know if she understood this prophecy of healing in His wings, but she knew if I could just touch the edge of His garment that I would be healed. And it's hugely significant. And so much so, I I love the story. Uh, As 24 Skies, we wrote a song about this. It's a song called Chasing, and it speaks about how I'm pushing through the crowd, just one touch from you. And when I was watching this chosen episode, it was amazing because I hadn't actually watched it prior to us writing the song. I think we wrote it in 2017. And she says, just one touch, just one touch. Anyone watch the episode? It's powerful, you need to go. There's only like a few of you, go watch it, okay? And she pushes through the crowd, which what our song speaks about, That I'm push- and then I'm, I'm seeking, I'm reaching out for you. But I love the fact that not only are we looking and reaching, but Jesus is looking for us in the same crowd. And those wings, were, were, were the t- and what this guy Baruch was telling us is the tassels on the four corners of the garment. And the reason why many people wore this, particular uh, Jewish people, is they believed the tassels symbolized something, that they were a reminder to follow God. As they walked, the tassels followed behind them. And it was a reminder for them to follow God. And the four corners were called the four wings, the edge of the garment. And now you understand the prophecy many years prior when it says that he will rise with healing in his wings. And then let's continue the story here in Luke 8. So this woman pushes through the crowd. She touches the cloak and is instantly healed without Jesus knowing, just because she touched the edge of his garment. And the story goes, who touched me? Now, I can imagine the disciples so many times like, they're so confused. They're like, Jesus, there's a crowd. They, they're all around you. It's like, you know, when you're going through like a turnstile at the rugby and there's people everywhere and you turn around and go, who touched me? It's like, are you kidding? Like there was crowds were pressing in on him. And they were like, and he says, Jesus asked, who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, I mean, how would we know who, who touched you? Everyone would have. But Jesus said something significant. He says, no, 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 someone touched me. Like, there was something different here. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Isn't that such a beautiful response as well to the redemptive story of Jesus and the healing? And that's, I believe, that should be our response. That's why coming before God in worship, on your knees sometimes, or bowing down before God is such a, it's a beautiful sign of, of surrender and saying, God, it's me, here I am. And she falls at his feet. In the presence of all the people, remember, she would have been really embarrassed about this as well. She was an outcast. She told why she touched him. She owned up, she was like, this is why I touched you. And I think there's power in that as well from an accountability point of view. How often are we so embarrassed to even share our shortcomings and our failures and our insecurities? I think there's power in, in just exposing things. She told him why she touched him and she had been instantly healed. And I love this. Then he says to her daughter, t- the term of endearment, this is, you're my child. She wouldn't have felt like a daughter of God because she was unclean. And he, and he meets her where she, she says, He says, your faith has healed you. And there's power in that too. What's interesting, many times Jesus said that your faith has healed you. We've got to believe, friends. We've got to believe that God can do what we're reading about here today in our own lives. Your faith has healed you. And he says, go in peace. And I continued reading, and and some of you will recognize this, and and as I said, the context all comes together, just being in Israel. It says, when when Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother, teacher, anymore. Don't bother coming. Hearing this, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Who remembers two years ago with our theme? Of believe, that's where it comes from. And I didn't even realize this embarrassingly so, that standing in Capernaum, I just didn't put the two together when I was standing there. The same story happened right there. Just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. And, and you know the rest of the story. He eventually got to Jairus's house and uh, he, he said, stand up, get up. And she's not dead, she's sleeping. And he healed this dead, his dead daughter, powerful. And his fame, Jesus' fame started to spread after stories like this. As people discovered the prophecy of way, way back about that he will rise with healing in his wings and this woman, you can imagine people going, all she did was touch his wings, the end of his garment and she was healed. So you can imagine like people going, this is the God, this is Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's the one we've been waiting for. There's all the prophecies that we've read about, learnt about they're coming to fulfillment. It was, must have been such an incredible moment. And as it spread, look at what it says here in Mark 6:54. The people recognized Jesus at once. As they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was, wherever he went, in villages and cities and countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. And listen to this, because of this woman's faith, they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Healing in his wings. And as I wrap up today, don't you have a desire to see more healings in our own lives? If you're inspired by these stories today, we've got to believe it for our own lives. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if we just forget. And I know... uh, Often when I chat to people after church or in the week, they're like, oh, thank, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the reminder. Uh, you know, we, we forget. How many times do we forget when we're sick just to go to Jesus and say, Lord, heal me? But we go and we, we, we take a, a dispen or a grandpa or whatever. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take medicine. I think God's gifted people with the ability to create this stuff. But our first response should be, Jesus, heal me. That's what this woman did. Because she tried everything and she wasn't healed. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I I can guarantee in this room today, there's many people sitting here going, I've tried everything medically. Okay, well, let's come to Jesus. And I remember a stage in my life, uh, I think I was 18 at the time, when I first started to read some of these passages that started to make sense when I was in high school, I really developed like a, a real faith for God to do miracles. And I'll never forget this one particular moment. I was serving on a scripture union camp, an SUIS camp. It was at Utongati School, and I was running to one of the leaders' meetings. It was before all the kids all arrived, and I was running, and I took a shortcut through a bush, over a drain, and I stood funny, and I rolled my ankle, and I heard like a, like a snap, like a click, and I dropped to the ground, and I remember thinking, my immediate thought, the devil loves to do that as well. Oh, your holiday's ruined. What are you gonna do now? And I was so looking forward. It was like the first week of the holiday and, my, and I, I was in pain. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I mean, I heard something there. It wasn't just like, you know when you just like roll your ankle a little bit? This was serious. But at that time, I remember as the doubt filled my mind, I remember just thinking, no, I'm not gonna accept this. I put my hand on my ankle and I believed that Jesus would heal me And before I tell you what happened, do you want to see what I looked like at that age? It's there already. Middle partings have come back in. And there's another picture as well with me leading worship at that camp. I'm on the right. How's those baggy jeans, guys? They're coming back in. But I put my hand on my ankle, and I said, Lord Jesus, would you heal my ankle? And just like the the faith of that man who had been paralyzed for 38 years, I stood up and I walked. And as I stood in faith and walked, the pain instantly left my ankle and I was instantly healed. Instantly. I remember another time I was going away with some friends and I had a splitting headache. Do you know there's nothing worse than just as you're about to go somewhere, you feel like a sickness coming on you? Anyone ever had that? When I got on the plane to Israel last week, and I don't know, I mean, I, I was praying, but oh, it's just the devil. He loves to have a go. I got on the plane, and I started to feel like this post-nasal drip and this scratchy throat, and I was like, Jesus, it can't be real. And thankfully, I, was able, I, I, I didn't feel great for a few days, but thankfully, I wasn't able to miss out on anything. I, I was able to push through. So maybe it could have been a lot worse, and I just trusted God for healing, and uh, I, w- I was fine after a few days. Um, But I remember going away, we were actually going with some friends to Princess Grant up the North Coast. And I got in the car and I just felt terrible. And we were going away for the weekend and I just thought, I was sitting in the back and I was like, oh gosh. You know when you start to, doubt fills your mind. You're like, oh, it's gonna be a horrible weekend. It's amazing how the negative talk goes. And I I felt like flu, I had such a headache. And I remember saying this, Jesus, I'm not accepting this. And I lay down in the back and I had the faith for this. I said, and I remember we were passing uh, like Belito off ramp at that time. And I laid down and I said, Lord, by the time I reach the toll, you know the Stanger toll? I'm gonna trust for healing in Jesus' name. And I laid down and actually fell asleep for about 10 minutes. The lights of the toll woke me up because it was at night. We were driving on a Friday night. And I opened my eyes, I saw the lights, and I sat up and the headache had left me. Instantly, I was healed. I I, I can't explain it. I was feeling terrible. I didn't take a single pill, but I was healed. Now, I could tell you story after story after story of witnessing people's healings, experiencing them on my own, but we do forget, and we have to remind ourselves, and I believe God is wanting to remind us today, that he wants to heal people. You've got to believe it. Just a couple thoughts around this and then I will close. We can all pray for healing. Yes, some people have a special gift uh, for healing and they really believe it and God uses them in that space. But we can all pray for healing. Jesus commissioned all of us, all of us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick. All of us can be part of that. Not just pastors, all of us. And remember, and the reason why it can be all of us because it's not us that heals. It's not our ability. It's not my gift. It's God that heals. There's no technique to heal. It's just simply, I think, three things. We, we, we gotta, the reason why we're at Pray for Healing is because, especially if you're praying for someone else, we do it in love, we do it simply, and we do it with compassion because we want the person to be made well. And sometimes when, um, We've prayed for people, even you know, the Holy Spirit weekend or in the Alpha Does God Heal Today weekend. God has often in the past given me uh, like a picture or a vision or someone that is struggling very specifically on things. Like I felt like someone needs to be healed from an ankle uh, injury, you had a car accident or whatever it was like many, many years ago and God needs to heal you. And God can speak to, to all of us like that. And sometimes, I don't know, this might not make sense, but it's called a sympathy pain. You experience a quick pain, but you know it's not yours. It's for someone else. It might sound really dodgy to you, but God can't do that, just so you know. It's like, I've had that many times before. Like, just praying for people, I feel something, and then it, it disappears, and God's telling me there's someone that needs healing in that area. I've just experienced that now. Someone need, someone's got stomach issues right now. God wants to heal you today. I don't know who you are, but after the service, we're gonna pray for you. How do we pray for healing? And then, then I'm done. Is uh, we, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray through the Holy Spirit because it's God, the one that enables us. There's power in laying on of hands. The Bible speaks about placing hands, laying on hands. Sometimes you can anoint with oil as well. Uh, that was symbolic in those days, uh, oil. Um, James, brother of Jesus, speaks about call the elders of the church to anoint with oil, lay hands, and the sick person will be made well. Um, I think also when you're praying for someone to be healed or even for yourself, I think you need to be honest. You don't, don't lie about this, just how are you feeling? And sometimes we're too nervous to ask, you know, pray for someone, or well, how are you feeling? No, I, well, yes, I'm either healed or I still feel the pain. Jesus prayed for sometimes twice. There was one particular guy, he prayed for healing, and I, I can't explain this, but he prayed, someone was blind and, and, and he prayed for him, and he's, he said, can you see? And he says, I, I, I think I can. I see kind of what, what like trees, things moving around. And then he prayed for him a second time and his eyesight was completely restored. So we've got to be persistent in the praying and in the healing. And there's a difference also between a healing and a miracle. I believe a miracle is instant. It's miraculous. Like it it's, happens right then and there. But then there can also be a healing, which is a process. Sometimes God can... Uh, kill the root of a virus, and then there's an outworking of that healing. I believe God has designed our bodies to naturally even heal, and that's the power of God. It's amazing how we, our bodies regenerate and heal themselves, but that's because of God. It's not because of us, and we've got to keep on praying. John Wimber says this, when we pray for no one, no one is healed. Now, we pray for lots of people. Not everyone's healed, but some are. <laughs> if we pray for no one, no one will be healed. So that doesn't deter us from the fact that we need to pray for healing. And I'll end with this scripture in John 14, 12. And I'll leave you with this. I've always loved this passage. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. What did Jesus do? We've read about two stories today. Someone was paralyzed for 38 years. He he got up and walked. This bleeding woman, no one could heal her. She just touched his garment and she was instantly healed. Jesus tells us, you will do the same works I have done, even greater works, greater than, lesser than, not better miracles, because you can't, I don't think there's a better miracle than raising someone from the dead, but greater than, we can do more miracles. Why? Why can we do more miracles than Jesus did? Because there's more of us that simply believe. Because I'm going to, to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. It's not because of our glory. I hate it when people take glory for a miracle. I just prayed for this person and they were healed. No, no, that shouldn't be the focus, I. Can you believe that God healed this person? Yes, the Bible says, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Do you believe God can do it, friends? Let's really believe that God can do it. And this is not just a one off thing now, we've all, we've all got it, but let's, let's practice these principles. My hope as a pastor, and even sharing these stories, is that you guys would get it. Not just us, as pastors, you would catch it. If you feel sick today, pray. I can pray for you, but Jesus says that you can pray. Every one of you can pray. So I want parents to start laying hands on your children when they're sick first. I want you to start believing it for yourself. If you feel sickness coming on or you feel like a headache, Lord Jesus, thank you for healing. And I wanna start to hear the testimonies and stories. So I'm reminding you today, is that okay? I know a lot of us know this, maybe for some of you it's all new, but can we start doing that? I'm gonna pray now for, uh, uh, for everybody. And if you are sick, can we all stand? Can we all stand our feet? If anyone needs specific prayer afterwards, uh, we can do that. Uh, does anyone identify with that, that stomach pain here today? Over there. I so see you. Awesome. There's a few. <laughs> okay. Maybe you can come up after the service as well. I'd love to just lay hands on you guys and pray. But let's just pray. Father, we, we just simply come with you as children who simply believe. There's no complication to this, friends. We just simply believe. We, we read it in your word and now we want to receive it for ourselves. That's what your word says. We see how the devil robs every one of us with sickness, disease. We look at the, the devastation of cancer. And Lord, we don't understand why some are healed, some are not. We don't, we don't understand that. But God, one thing we won't do is stop praying, and believing. And that's gonna be our first response. So today, Lord, we we first of all wanna repent where we haven't trusted you. And we look at that woman's faith. Jesus says, your faith has made you well, Lord. Today, would you stir our faith to simply believe? It can be a little bit of faith. Faith like a mustard seed, the Bible speaks about. But God, we all have a sense of faith today. That's why we're sitting here today. So God, would you stir our faith? Would you start to stir our hearts to believe you to do miracles in our lives? The Bible says, be faithful in the small and I'll put you in charge of much. You need to start praying for that little headache and then you can start to pray for the bigger things. So God, today, I pray for healing in this place. If you're not well right now, just, just lift up your hands to Him. And just remember, friends, it's not my words, it's not my prayers, it's, it's, it's your faith. Just simply receive, Lord, I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. You asked us to pray anything in your name, it will be done. And Lord, right now, as people have arms raised that aren't well or got issues, I pray for healing in Jesus' name, that you would rise with healing in your wings. As we read it in your word, as we just reach onto you today, God, we hold onto your word by faith. There's no physical tassel to grab onto today, God, but by faith, we grab onto this word and we receive that healing today in Jesus' name. We believe it and we want to walk in it. So God, I pray for healing right now and I pray for incredible testimony even out of this morning today, but not only today, because it's not just a once-off event, but it's a lifestyle. I pray for testimony upon testimony of people in the weeks ahead, praying daily for healing, praying for children, praying for their spouses, praying in their businesses, God, that we would start to see a move of God and miracles in Jesus' name. I believe that. And as I am praying this today, I pray some of you, your faith would be stirred to start to believe this and do it. You've got to be bold. You've got to just believe it. And I pray for amazing stories in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And my last prayer for anyone here today, you don't really know God, but you've been drawn today by the worship, by the word. You're like, man, this, 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 this stuff is real. I just want to pray a prayer with you. It's a prayer just to come home and commit your life to God. So if, if you're in that place today and you'd like to pray this prayer, just pray it along with me and you can, pray it, uh, just, you can just pray it in your heart. Dear Jesus, from today, I commit my life fully to you. Would you come and live in my heart by your spirit? Forgive me, Lord, for my past. Thank you that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and set free. Come and live in my life by your Spirit. And Lord, I want to start a walk in your ways. I want to put you first in my life. And today I'm excited to start this journey as a believer. In Jesus' name. Everyone agreed and said, amen, amen. Should we give God some worship and some praise today? Yes, amazing, awesome, awesome. And if anyone's got testimony of of healing, even today, come and share with us and maybe you can fill in a praise report next week. But just a reminder as you go, uh, don't miss next week as we cap up the stories from Israel. uh, Those four people that put up their hands, if, if you could come to the front right, we'd love to pray with you. And obviously anyone else who needs specific prayer, But have an amazing day, everybody. The coffee machine is on and working. All of those that are here with us for baby, child dedications, coffee on us. Don't forget your photo. God bless everybody. Cheers.